1: Nicola Everett.
0: Hello, thanks ever so much for downloading today's podcast. It's a chilly Tuesday, December the 13th. Hope you're okay. And our top story today is that the first in a series of rail strikes in Kent over Christmas and New Year is underway. There'll be serious disruption between now and January the 7th as members of the RMT union walk out or refuse to do overtime. Very few services are going to be running, but those that do will start later off in the day and finish much earlier. Now, the strike is happening just just as a new timetable has been brought in for trains in Kent. So first, let's hear from Scott Brightwell, who's from Operator Southeastern.
3: There will be uh, restricted hours of operation 0700 to 1900 and many, many stations receiving no service whatsoever. Now, this has happened in previous strike days. We will then have disruption on the Thursday where there'll be a late and disrupted start-up on the Thursday and then we're back into strike action getting on the Friday and the Saturday so please plan your journeys in advance only travel if absolutely necessary from Tuesday onwards next week check out our website for the impact on your individual journeys because it is not just southeastern network that is disruptive this is you know there are UK wide there are some uh, disruptions across all routes so please check what it means for your journey and if you've bought a ticket please check out our website so you can get the details on how to get a refund.
0: Is it a bit frustrating Scott that you're just bringing in this new timetable <laughs> and you don't really get a chance to to test it out properly in the first week?
3: Absolutely, you know, we we've worked hard and tire, tirelessly to try and give the right timetable that delivers the right balance of capacity where people are now traveling with us and absolutely Mondays we already know that Mondays generally carries about 20% less passengers than Tuesdays, Wednesdays and Thursdays so we won't be able to see what this uh, you know how these changes have really delivered in the first week of operation but you know we will continue to monitor this timetable it's our most recent timetable it's not our final timetable we're going to have to Keep adapting as passenger travel habits change. So yeah, it's going to take us longer to understand and review this timetable because of the industrial.
0: So for four days this week, trains will only be running on the Dartford lines, the High Speed line via Ashford, and the Seven Oaks line, as you heard from Scott there. And as I mentioned earlier, trains are starting much later in the morning than normal and finishing significantly earlier. Yesterday, it was confirmed the RMT had rejected the latest pay increase offer of four percent this year and next. General Secretary is Mick Lynch.
4: Well, our members have rejected what's been put to them, as has been said, uh, and it's about some of the changes that the company is proposing, which they're going to start to impose from tomorrow. It's also about the pay deal and their jobs. And that same the same is true on the train operating companies. So there are two halves to this. We've been invited by the Secretary of State, Mark Harper to join a set of discussions with Network Rail, the executives from the train operating companies and our trade union. We'll be looking to get that on as soon as possible and develop some proposals that our members can support. Because what's got to happen at the end of this dispute to resolve it is our members will vote on whether they support a package or not. Now, they clearly don't support what has been proposed on Network Rail. We've never had anything really that we can put to them from the train operators Uh, because they're they're, they're approaching our red lines in terms of taking all the guards of every train in Britain, they want to close all the booking offices uh, in the country, they want to cut back on the maintenance safety regimes by 50%, the inspections, and they want to cut thousands of jobs. So we've got a way to go, but I can see a way through where we can get some improvements in the proposals, we can come to terms with their, what they're calling their modernisation agenda. I've heard Andrew Haynes sure. saying we're not interested in that. We're very interested in uh, reaching a settlement on those changes, but they've got to be through agreement rather than imposition. So there is a way forward. The government's got to facilitate that, show a bit of goodwill so that we can all agree. on what will take the railways forward and what our members can sign up
0: to. There'll be further disruption during Christmas and in the new year, so now we can hear from Chris Denham, who's from Network Rail.
2: If there's one thing I'd like people to take away from this conversation, it's that on Christmas Eve, your last train home, whether it's from London or further out in Kent, will be much, much earlier than expected. It could be as early as midday or one o'clock. So please check before you travel. Then we've got more strikes, unfortunately, in January, which is the 3rd and 4th and the 6th and 7th. should also say that operators, uh, RMT members, are going to be uh, on an overtime ban for that entire period. And that leaves us in a bit of an awkward situation because an overtime ban means, for the operators at least, they're not really sure until a day or two before what kind of effect that's going to have on trades it uh, it ca- tends to affect something like between 10 or 15% of services depending on where you are so the advice again on the days where people aren't officially on strike is you still need to check before you travel because there will be short notice cancellations as that overtime ban kicks in. So essentially what we're looking at is a period from the 13th of December all the way through until the 8th of January where there will be either severe disruption, no trains at all, or simply just days of cancellations.
0: It does sound like a logistical nightmare trying to get any trains running whatsoever. I mean, uh, just give us an idea as to how difficult it is, because I mean, it's not easy to move trains around a network, is it?
2: No, in order to get a train running, you need uh, what they call a stock diagram. So that's the actual train itself. You need a staff diagram. That's the warm bodies who drive the uh, the train. You need a timetable in place to make sure the train doesn't interact badly with any other trains on the network. Uh, and you obviously need network rail staff to make sure that everything's working. Once you get all those four or five things in place, then you can run a train as it goes with the strikes. um Regrettably, there have been quite a few strikes this year. So in terms of timetabling, we're reasonably set on what we can and can't offer. In Kent, what that means is there will be uh, an early uh, finish, a late start and early finish and there will be trains running on what we call key routes, so high-speed one uh, and other main lines. Um, That does mean that some parts of the county, on strike days, won't see any services at all. Uh, And again, hence the advice, please check before you travel. So
0: were you planning to travel by train over Christmas? Perhaps you've had to completely change plans to get home for the festive season. We'd like to hear your story. You can let us know by commenting within the story online or via our socials, or you can email news at the KM Group. Group.co.uk. Some other travel news you need to know about, An Operation Brock is going to be reintroduced on the M20 overnight ahead of the busy Christmas period. The contravo system was due to come into force between Maidstone and Ashford on Sunday night, but it was delayed because of all of the snow that we had. Part of the motorway will be closed between nine tonight and six tomorrow morning, so the barrier can be put out in time for tomorrow's early rush.
1: Kent Online News.
0: Other top stories for you today and more safe and legal routes are going to be set up for people wanting to seek asylum in the UK. The Prime Minister has been speaking in the Commons about how the government plans to tackle the issue of small boats crossing the Channel to Kent. It's thought more than 43,000 people have made the dangerous journey so far this year. Rishi Sunak also promised to fast-track the deportation of Albanian migrants and bring in more staff to deal with asylum claims. More than 143,000 people people are waiting for a decision, according to Home Office figures. Here's some of what the PM had to say.
5: Our policing of the Channel has been too fragmented with different people doing different things, being pulled in different directions. So we will establish a new, permanent, unified small boats operational command. This will bring together our military, our civilian capabilities and the National Crime Agency. It will coordinate our intelligence interception, processing and enforcement, and use all available technology including drones for reconnaissance and surveillance to pick people up and identify and then prosecute more gang-led boat pilots. We're adding more than 700 new staff and also doubling the funding given to the NCA for tackling organised immigration crime in Europe. Second these extra resources will free up immigration officers to go back to enforcement, which will in turn allow us to increase rates on illegal working by 50 per cent. And it's frankly absurd that today illegal migrants can get bank accounts, which help them live and work here. So we will restart data sharing to stop this. Third, it's unfair and appalling that we are spending £5.5 million every day on using hotels to house asylum seekers. We must, we must end this, so we will shortly bring forward a range of alternative sites such as disused holiday parks, former student halls and surplus military sites. We have already identified locations that could accommodate 10,000 people, are in active discussions to secure these and more. Our aim is to add thousands of places through this type of accommodation in the coming months at half the cost of hotels. At the same time, as we consulted on over the summer, the cheapest and fairest way to solve this this problem is for all local authorities to take their fair share of asylum seekers in the private rental sector. And we will work to achieve this as quickly as possible. Fourth, Mr. Speaker, We need to process claims in days or weeks, not months or years. So we will double the number of asylum caseworkers and we are radically re-engineering the end-to-end process with shorter guidance, fewer interviews, less paperwork and introducing specialist caseworkers by nationality.
0: Two Kent drug dealers have been ordered to hand over £93,000 or face more time in jail. A 37-year-old from Chatham and a 30-year-old from Pembry made half a million pounds each from their crimes. They've already served a total of more than 18 years between them in prison. A drug dealer from Tunbridge Wells has been jailed after thousands of pounds worth of cocaine was found in his hotel room. Officers discovered nearly 60 bags of the Class A drug near Mount e Last January, after pulling over a car which had been recognised from a drug deal, the 31-year-old's been locked up for two and a half years. Meantime, a pregnant woman from Folkestone who dealt drugs and shoplifted to fund her heroin addiction has been jailed for 18 months. A court heard how she grew up in care and became hooked on illegal substances after being exploited by a former partner. The 41-year-old admitted stealing meat and beauty products from Lidl, Wilco, TK Maxx and Marks & Spencer. Next today, in a woman's been been taken to hospital after a crash on an icy road in ashford police and paramedics were called when two cars collided on hardinge road near the town center early this morning well we are being urged to take extra care out and about as freezing temperatures continue some roads and paths are still covered in ice after heavy snowfall on sunday Aidan mcgiven is from the met office and has been telling jamie levy from our colleagues at kmtv what's in store for the next few days
6: Well, the weather's going to stay cold throughout this week. Some of the ice will melt by day, but by day, temperatures will only get up to about one to three Celsius away from the coast. And by night, temperatures will be well below freezing. And really, that cold weather's still with us until the start of the weekend. And through the weekend, things are now expected to change. The wind direction will change. We're going to see low pressure arrive from the Atlantic. And that will introduce eventually milder air. However, as that milder air arrives with some rain associated with it, there is the risk that the rain on the leading edge of the frontal system will fall as snow. It's most likely to happen across northern parts of the UK, but we couldn't entirely discount it for Kent. So there is that small risk by Sunday of some additional snowfall. But any additional snowfall coming through would be very transient because quite quickly the milder air would replace it from the Atlantic.
5: And can we abandon our hopes of a white Christmas this year?
6: It's still too early to say. What I would say is that the weather looks milder for the start of next week. So we're not gonna keep the same cold weather that we've got at the moment up until Christmas. But by the end of next week, different computer models are saying different things. That's a long way off when it comes to weather forecasting. Some computer models suggest it will turn colder again. Other computer models want to keep the mild air with us. So, of course, we'll keep you updated right here at the Met Office. But right now, it is too early to say. This podcast is sponsored by the
0: FG Barnes Group with car dealerships in Canterbury and Maidstone. Developers behind a huge new garden town between Folkestone and Ashford say the first homes could be ready by autumn 2025. 10,000 properties are going to be built as part of the Otterpool Park project on land just south of the M20. There are also plans to improve Western Hangar Railway Station and create as many as eight primary schools and two secondaries, as well as other community services. You can see what it could eventually look like when it's built by heading to the store. Story today on the website. A Dover nightclub's been allowed to stay open for later despite claims all hell breaks loose outside the club. The attic bar has become a lot busier since rival the Funky Monkey closed in September and will now be open until 3 in the morning on Thursdays and 4am on Fridays and Saturdays. One resident had suggested locals suffer from noise and violence every weekend but bosses insist that's not true and they don't have to call the police very often. There's anger after it emerged one of the last remaining businesses in a Kent High Street could be turned into homes. A developer submitted plans to transform the former Catherton House in Sturry, which closed in March, into two properties, claiming it will bring life back to the redundant building. But residents argue the village will be poorer for it, and there would be more pressure on parking if new occupants are given spaces. We're going to return now to a story we mentioned briefly in yesterday's podcast about a small business owner who says she's going to have to bring in security after a thief Ran off with a load of jewellery during the Westgate Christmas lights switch on. Two busts that were covered in necklaces were taken from Bling and Rocks. Now, the suspect is said to have made off down an alleyway. Chad McKenzie runs that business and says it's incredibly sad that someone would do such a thing.
1: I started this little hobby of mine in 2017, and so I slowly built it up as a business, which is why I was so disappointed. Uh, when somebody literally ran off as I was packing down with my jewellery because it's very unique, a lot of the stuff that I do is one-offs and he stole three of my one-offs so, you know, something like that is selling for £20 but that is it's my £20 Yeah, and I don't think anybody's got the right to steal it off me um, and something like that as well again, they're very, very unique pieces um, the busts that were stolen were actually given to me and they were unique. They'd been handmade and they're copyrighted. So he's never going to be able to sell them because I've now told the person that made them. Um, so, you know, it's, it, it's just very sad that it's happening to a tiny little community like Westgate-on-Sea, which was always beautiful um, and safe. And I think it just knocked all of us back that within the same week, I'd been robbed. And a friend of mine that owns the little local grocer's apprentice, she's had to put CCTV camera outside a grocery shop because she's getting stuff nicked. It's never, ever happened before, and it's just... I find it very, very sad more than anything else. So it's not just about the profit, it's about the principle. Unfortunately, no witnesses have
0: come forward since it happened and no CCTV footage of the theft has been found. Kent Online reports. It's been a drop in the number of people claiming out-of-works benefits in Kent. New data shows unemployment stood at just over 36,650 in October. That's down by 175 compared to the previous month. And you can see the stats for where you live in the county by heading to the website. It's been revealed blood testing services, which were cut from a medical centre in Deal, pose a risk to patients because of staff shortages. Phlebotomy clinics at Victoria Hospital were suddenly Axe last year, meaning people had to have tests done at GP surgeries instead. Campaigners have been fighting to bring them back and health bosses have admitted residents should have been consulted on the decision. The family of a Tunbridge Wells man who took his own life have raised more than £10,000 in his memory. Dad of two, Ian Hart, was found dead at his home on Newcomen Road in July. The 42-year-old's wife is giving donations to the local counselling centre to help other men who are struggling with their mental health. A Dartford teenager is set to take on a cycling marathon in a bid to raise funds for research into Alzheimer's. Piper Monk is aiming to use a static bike to complete the challenge in under three hours tomorrow at her school, Wilmington Academy. The 16-year-old's doing it in honour of her great granddad who died from the disease when she was six. She's been chatting to our reporter, Amy Tregenna.
7: I've done um, two charity events quite a few years ago when I was in primary school. Um, and they was towards the end of my primary school experience. So I thought my this is my last year at secondary and I kind of wanted to do something like that again. And I was getting into cycling during PE at school and I thought I want to push myself and I want to do it for something that means a lot to me. My great granddad, I was about six when he passed away, so I have a few memories with him and obviously have pictures but he he passed away with um alzheimer's and it kind of also led to him becoming a bit of an alcoholic but um obviously his memory wasn't working properly and my especially with my nan on my mum's side um Lots of people she knows are going through it at the minute who are still alive, and just seeing them in that state, and just thinking, if I know so many people that are experiencing this, surely I'm not the only one. Surely other people out there are relatable to what I'm going through. Do you feel like um, you're ready for it? Does it feel like something more exciting than nerve-wracking or even now? Yeah, I'm. I'm excited for it. I'm not nervous for it. I, I know it's going to be uh, quite tiring but should be a good challenge. It's during my school day I've had to get permission from the school to get out of lessons, and they've also agreed to have people supervising me while I do it at school. Um, so, yeah, I'm, I think it should take me under three hours, hopefully. Have you got a lot of support? Then I saw on your fundraising page you've got a lot of your teachers have donated. Have they been really supportive? Yeah. Yeah they have been especially obviously the PE department they was kind of the first people I went to with the idea um, and they've been really on board with it ever since. How much do you hope to raise or are you just happy to get what you get? I'm really happy just getting what I've got already but I think that I'm pretty sure that the when I was researching into it, that charity said that every £100 is two days worth of research for them. So as much research as
0: possible is like getting closer to help him. Piper has already raised more than £600 for the Alzheimer's Society.
5: Kent Online reports.
0: New data out today shows Kent's tourism industry is starting to bounce back from the pandemic. The value of our visitor economy in 2021 was £2.6 billion up 60% compared to the previous year. There was also an increase in the number of tourism jobs and more people came here for day trips and overnight breaks away. At Kent Online today you can see pictures of one of the county's most important historical homes which has gone up for sale. The Grade 2 listed Fort Clarence in Rochester dates back to the early 1800s and was once used as a wartime gun tower and observation post. It's now been converted into a two-bedroom flat which is on the market for a cool £750,000. Now a Kent Nature Reserve has been named today as a champion site for one of the UK's rarest bumblebees. Victory Wood near Whitstable was bought by the Woodland Trust in 2004 and has since become a haven. Even for wildlife. The shrill carder bee was discovered there four years ago and numbers are now growing thanks to special conservation techniques. Claire Inglis is from the charity.
8: So the shrill carder bee is um, the UK's, well one of the UK's most threatened bumblebee species so we've been working closely with the Bumblebee Conservation Trust since uh, around 2019 at Victorywood. We first spotted um, a shrill carder bee on site back then and we've been working with them since to try and um, promote uh, the species and do lots of work um, to try and benefit and, and grow its numbers across across the site. In terms of our management, we've been um, diversifying uh, the wildflower um, diverse. Sorry, I start that one again. <clears throat> so in terms of our management, we've been looking to try and maximise wildflower diversity across the site. So that's really important for bumblebees and other pollinators to have um, lots of interesting forage that also lasts throughout their flight season as well, which for the shrill carder bee is is quite late. They they forage right up until September, October time. Um, Also to have um, within that mix um, long tussocky grass, which is really important for both shelter and nesting habitat for the bumblebees as well. So those three things combined, the forage, the shelter and the nesting opportunities are are what's really needed to try and promote this species and, and bolster its numbers. The work's really significant. So the shrill Cardi, um is quite at risk of, of extinction if, if work isn't actively done to support its population. Um, so the Greater Thames Estuary, which is the meta population that our site, Victory Wood, sits within, is probably its most robust meta population. So it's so important within this locality for landowners to work together uh, with one another to try and create this really um, useful flower rich landscape for this species um, in terms of our, our numbers and, and how they're changing at the site so we we first spotted it in 2019 and each year since then we've done both um what we call bio blitz surveys so they're done in the summer months when the bee numbers are at their peak um, and we get volunteers and members of the public along to try and count um, and, and do a wide survey across the site and from those we've had really really good numbers we've over 120 shrill carder bees were counted on a single survey effort which is really quite a significant number for this species Um, and also since then we've been doing monthly transepts as well just to keep monitoring their numbers throughout the year and yeah we've had, had really good numbers that have come through for those as well. The hope, the aim is for the shrill carder bee to be thriving. Um, that's a big part of the, the conservation strategy that's been put together for um, benefiting this species with the Bumblebee Conservation Trust and other conservation partners. We want to see numbers so robust that, that it's not um, at risk of extinction any longer. Um, so, yeah, that's obviously going to be the aim of, of conservation landowners, just to try and increase and, and build on, on the population um, within the different localities where it it currently exists Um, and just to continue building really positive links with with different conservation landowners, with the Bumblebee Conservation Trust, continue to train volunteers, educate members of the public, raise awareness about this species and encourage them to to get out there and survey in their own gardens and, and the areas where they live and just to create uh, bumblebee and pollinator
0: friendly spaces. Great news there from the Woodland Trust and a baby bear cub has arrived at an animal park near Herne Bay just in time for Christmas. Bucky was born at Port Lim in February but had to be hand raised by keepers after being rejected by his family. Well, He's now found a new home in a specially built enclosure at Wildwood. You can see pictures of him on Kent Online. And finally today, Olivia Coleman has been nominated for a Golden Globe for her role in a new movie filmed right here in Kent, Empire of light is set around the dreamland cinema in margate she's up for best actress at the ceremony in la next month well, that's all from us for today thanks ever so much for listening don't forget you can follow us on facebook twitter instagram and tiktok you can also get an update of to the top stories direct to your email each morning via the briefing to sign up to that just head to kentonline.co.uk
1: news you can trust this is the kent online podcast